Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, 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 and welcome to Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host, Amanda G., as always, excited to be here, take you on whatever journey our episodes have for you. If you're new here, welcome. I'll let you know what our format is. If you're old here, you can skip about 15 seconds, but don't skip any more than that because I got some shit to say. What we do each episode, we interview a different queer performer so they get an entire episode to themselves to share whatever they want to share, wherever the conversation goes. And then after our conversation, we play a clip of whatever type of performance they do. If they sing, if they're stand up, if uh, they're a storyteller, whatever, you know, kind of performance they do, we're going to put it on there for you and let you know what's going on. I am um, trying to be really cheery, trying to be really cheery. I've been watching a lot of sad shit lately. So uh, I love it, though, like sad shit that's deep and well done and well acted. What I'm thinking about most right now is Sharp Objects. I just watched the latest episode last night. Not spoiling anything for anybody. Just watch it. It's about some fucked up shit with some amazing, talented women. Amy Adams, Patricia Clarkson, they lead it. Amy Adams is great. I don't know. I remember her in Drop Dead Gorgeous. I don't know if I'm aging myself, but I had that on one of those DVDs um, where the case actually clasped. It was like a cheaper version of the, of the fancy DVDs, not like the plastic where it clicks. It was like paper on the top and it had kind of only one slight piece of plastic. But I had that and I loved that movie and I watched it a million times. It was Kirsten Dunst and Denise Richards and Kirstie Alley and it was a mockumentary of a beauty pageant. It was before Miss Congeniality and it was kind of before the Kardashians, which aren't an official beauty pageant, but let's be real. And, uh, you know, they really did some things that if you watch TV later on and you watch movies later on that this small little movie, you know, changed the game for. And I think that's really cool. And Amy Adams was in that. She was a little known film that she was nominated for an Oscar for. Maybe it's bigger known than I know, but Junebug, fucking amazing movie. I didn't know who the fuck she was when I watched that and it blew my mind. And now she's doing Sharp Objects, uh, which HBO has. It's, it's beautifully filmed. This is the guy that did Big Little Lies. So you already know it's fucking beautiful and amazing. Big Little Lies, also amazing woman cast, women producers, Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon. This season they got Meryl fucking Streep. You get Meryl Streep on the second season of a show. You get Meryl Streep on TV, you're doing something right. I just love seeing all these amazing women out there. It's so great. Speaking of amazing women, that brings us to our interviewee for this episode, Riot. Riot's amazing. We had a really good time hanging out, just getting to know her. She's someone, you know, I've seen in the performer community for years, but I've never really sat down and been like, so 
what is your life like? Tell me these, you know, stories about yourself. I just got pieces of her from performances. And that's why, you know, we want to do this podcast. So y'all and also myself, I'm a little selfish in this, get to know performers. She hosts The Moth in New Orleans. Um, she performs all over town. She does song and theater and storytelling and improv and so many amazing things and so many different formats. And, you know, it's just really cool. And you'll get to know her and I got to know her. And it's just a really cool experience. So let's enjoy this together. Let's welcome Riot, y'all. I just had a crazy experience with, or an interesting perspective-changing experience with this woman who's indigenous. She's like an older indigenous elder. And she was like, fuck pronouns. Like, fuck white people making me say pronouns. She was queer, too. She's like, that's white language to be like, it's either he, she, or they. She was like, I have a lot of different words for what you guys are calling pronouns and like, fuck white language for demanding that I yeah. do this. And I was like, fuck yeah. I like that. Because other Me languages too. too have different Yeah, um, you see that a lot. Yeah, it's, just, it's so different and it's just like, uh, we're, we're of course, because we're Americans and we're like, we're the right. And it's like, but people have all these different experiences and cultures. Right. And But I didn't think about, you know, then I'm also yeah, like neither. beating like, myself yeah. up. Right, right, right. <laughs> I'm like, oh, because Lord. it does mean a lot to a lot of people. Like, yeah. there's also the realness that, like, white culture uh, needs pronouns for certain people to feel heard and seen and respected, you know, because yeah. we have that system, you know. Yeah, absolutely. But it just resonated with me because, yeah, I've always said my pronouns were anything with a positive intention because I'm like, I don't really know. I don't want to pick he, she, or they. What I definitely know I don't want is the moment when someone's like, like at the cafe, someone's like, oh, excuse me, sir, um, woman, that's what I don't want. Yeah. You know? No, you don't need that shit. <laughs> For sure. No, I, I realized that, like, one time I was talking to, to one of my cats, and I, and I was like, I might be misidentifying my cats, and, like, I can't ask them, so, but when I, have a, I used to have a boy cat named Buford, and sometimes people, because he kind of had feminine I guess feminine cat features I don't know uh but it was often mis- mistaken for a, a lady cat and I would get I used to get really mad about it right and then, and then one day I was like but maybe, maybe he's a lady cat yeah, yeah. maybe that's how he identified and why am I putting this on him and then also getting mad at other people right <laughs> for sure yeah like, anyway hi Riot great we're in <laughs> we just jumped right into that <laughs> so uh Riot's your, not your real name. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Inside joke. We'll take that out. We could take anything out here. It's good. <laughs> I want to keep literally <laughs> everything in. Good. I'll tell the same story <clears throat> again, though, because you probably don't know it. I mean, I love my name origin story. Okay, I actually yeah. don't know it at all. Yeah. I all say, though, and this isn't your name origin, but on your Facebook, it was like Riot and then there's a middle name of love, and then the last name is S-Y-O-U, and I used to try to pronounce that, but it's Riot Loves You, but I would be like, Riot Loves to See You? So like, <laughs> and then one day, I, I don't know, I think you were messaging me about something, and I was like, oh, Riot Loves You, and then I was like, oh, Riot Loves Me. It's true. Is that what you want? Is that yeah, <laughs> definitely, is that definitely. The plan? I think at the I think when I had to make it be like that on Facebook, it was at the height of like people getting taken off Facebook for using a, a like oh, yeah. perceived other names. And for whatever fucking reason the like Facebook algorithm wouldn't let me have it be Riot middle name loves. 
last name you. Okay. They would let me do it in in the way the way that I did. So I just did it, and it's proved to be very confusing for <laughs> many different people, including my parents. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely like was proud of myself in the moment that I figured it out, but was also like, this took you a really long time and you've actually thought about this and tried to pronounce this for longer than, than an adult should have. Oh, fuck. It, now talking about this makes me want to go and see if times have changed in, in the Facebook algorithm and if I could just have it be the three words as they are. Yeah, I feel like they were... I, I know for a while a lot of performers were getting their pages taken down. Yeah, it was fucked up. It was an awful time. real names were getting taken yeah, down. Yeah, yeah. they were yeah. like, what the fuck is this? Totally, because once again, it was like white white names and white culture that were protected in that, you know? Yeah, and was... names were taken down that were like... that were other from that, you know? And like, who gets to decide this too? Like, who's behind the algorithm saying like, that, like love is okay, but love's <laughs> like fucking get rid of that shit. Right? I'm like, what is that? Yeah, it's fucked up. It's fucked up. That was a dark time in in Facebook time. But people forget. That's the thing. With yeah, history. that's so wonderful and terrible. Like we forget, and then now they're onto something else, and then right. someone has to remind someone, and then because I, I forgot about that till you mentioned it. Yeah, I'm like oh shit, that was a big deal for a lot of people. It was horrible. It was really horrible. We like uh, we started a whole other Facebook. What oh, the fuck was that fuck. Facebook called? Oh. I remember Dopo that. or something? Like, <laughs> I don't think that was it. But... I'm pretty sure it was Dopo. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Fitbit? <laughs> That's when I got to the place where I'm like, do I even need this? Like, I can, right. I can call the people I need to know, but when you perform right. and like social media is so important for that. Like my performer name most of the time is Amanda G. Yeah. Because people can't pronounce my last name. And it's How just do easier. you pronounce your last name? It's Golub. Golub. Yeah. But Amanda Golub. They won't let you just have a G and a period. Um, right. So I'd have to put like G-E-E or some like, and it's, it looks stupid. Oh, gosh, and that makes yeah. me look happy. That makes me look like a happy I mean, that's color. what I did for Riot Loves You to be split apart, you know. But that's Riot I, Loves You. <laughs> I know. But it's not. It's Riot Loves You. you <laughs> Is know? that the correct pronunciation? I no. Had, I had it wrong the whole time. Good times. But what's the uh, what's the origin story? Okay, the real origin story is that when I was my legal name is Rosanna Victoria Mueller, and I was named after my great great grandmother, uh, Rosanna, and the, my middle name is my godmother, this old Italian woman who lived like three blocks away from me growing up, and she met my parents at church, and I she was the only woman in my life to ever or person to ever raise me or like babysit me besides my parents oh so she was like a third parent definitely and the only person like my parents wouldn't let anyone else fucking watch us only this old italian woman who lived up the block and i loved her she had parakeets and she had like kids and grandkids of her own so i got to like play with those kids Love this lady. She, like, helped run the food bank that was in the alley behind her house. It was connected to the church. And, like, it was, like, full grandma stuff. Like, fucking little shag carpet and, like, ornate, like, framed pictures of Jesus and the smell and, like, plastic couch and, like, 
a parakeet in a cage. She fucking cut the crust off my sandwiches. Oh, shit. And I was like, I'm a fucking king. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't grow up in a household where we got our shit fucking cut up. No, I feel like my mom was like, why would we cut off? She like that is me that nutrients. The, yeah, she'd be like, this is the most nutritious part of the bread. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, I'm also in a Jewish family. We're like, we waste nothing. Right. Oh, it's so false. The crust is not more nutritious than the rest of the bread. No. They're not more nutritious. It's one of those things your parents like heard from somebody or right. in good housekeeping. And they're like, this must be true. And it seems right. It yeah. looks right. You know, it it's looks... browner and like, you it's know, thicker, so you're like, Yeah, there <laughs> must be more stuff in it. Oh, my God. But then Rosanna, my dad named me Rosanna after my great-great-grandmother, and he was talking to his mother, my grandmother, right after I was born. And uh, I was, like, seven days old. They're talking about the baby, and my grandma was just like, really crazy name. Like, why'd you name her Rosanna? My dad was like, what are you talking about? It's a family name. I wanted to pay homage to the family. Like, what are you talking about my grandma was like there's no one in the family named rosanna like i have no idea <laughs> like go on your ancestry dna you're not gonna find a rosanna <laughs> right and boy have i let me tell you and there's not there's not <laughs> where do you get that in my yeah, i don't know that sums up my pops right there and then my mom swooped in and was like i don't want to call her the wrong thing her whole life so let's call her tori another name that has nothing to do with any of the names listed except for its extraction for the middle part of her middle name then i was called tori for a very long time till i was like 22 and then people started calling me riot which is a scramble yeah tori you know yeah. A lot of people, a surprising amount of people don't understand that aspect of it. Let the record show <laughs> that Amanda Golub knew instantly yeah. that it was a scramble. No, I love word scrambles and crossword <laughs> puzzles and Wheel of Fortune and all that stuff. Oh, yeah, fuck. I'm a game show fan. I wish we could watch Wheel of Fortune right now, like oh. a clip of bloopers or something. Probably, I'll just tell you about them. <laughs> <laughs> no, we were, I was at a bar yesterday, actually, um, watching uh, Jeopardy at 12 Mile Limit. Fuck yeah. They do Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune every day. What? They have it on. And there's a group of like eight people that I feel like are there every day from six to seven just to watch Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune. I we know. better wrap this puppy <laughs> up so we let I the know. record show it. It's six o'clock and we could like, be watching <laughs> Wheel of Fortune. But I was I was like the old lady at the bar, like fussing about how Wheel of Fortune has changed so much since. I how has it changed? They have one category that's like a crossword puzzle kind of category. So it was like fruit blank, and then there's four words on the board, and they're not like a phrase or they don't go together. Okay, and it looks like a crossword, so it's like salad. Apple. Yeah, so it'd be like apple oh. would go down, and then something would like start oh, with an fruit e. Fruit salad. It's yeah. fruit salad's better. I don't it's like, like it. It's not a puzzle though. It's like you're just shouting words. Out. But it's a it's a cousin of the Wheel of Fortune puzzle, and it's a bunch of puzzles in one. But you like, know? did they run out of phrases? Like, did they run out of things? <laughs> That's absurd, did they run out right? Of animals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Boom. I would turn the fuck out of those letters. Yeah, I would love to. Would you play uh, Wheel of Fortune on the playground with those? Did you have that no. feature where you could like you flip haven't. it around? Yeah. yeah, I also played on the playground. <laughs> Currently, I do that. <laughs> You're so like, I, I played. I mean, yesterday. <laughs> I think it's a newer thing, but uh, oh, it'd be like tic tac toe. And oh, okay. you could sw- switch it around. I've seen you know that. what I mean? Big. I, see, um, I think I'm a generational alert. I used to play on the playground when <laughs> it was like a sand pit, and most of the time. How old are you? I'm 35. Okay, we're we're. I'm 31. Oh shit! Okay, I thought you were younger. Let the record show. But thank you. <laughs> the thank right, you. There's a record. <laughs> I love this record. 
Oh, but I, (laughs) but I just, I think I like still currently play on playgrounds or I'm looking for new playgrounds. There's not a ton of them in New Orleans. There's not a ton. That's what you're saying. No, no. There's one in the East that's so fucking creepy. I forget what the exit is, but you loop around. It's on the way out to Eritrea's house. Plug Eritrea Pits. <laughs> Check it out. Dot com. And it's like the old metal playgrounds. You know what I mean? Yeah. The kind that were like for sure dangerous, That's and we were like all. Oh. <laughs> and I, I, me also, I also grew up in those. Uh, and I felt like I was pretty cognizant where I was like, this is dangerous as I was playing on it. You yeah. know, sharp stuff. Definitely well, yeah, scalding I... hot. There was, yeah, there was one, um, it was a park by my house in, Cal- in Canyon Country, California, and it was a rocket ship, and you, like, climbed inside the rocket ship, and it was all metal, it was all metal, you climb up, and then there's a slide, but you could also climb on the side of the rocket ship, and it was all cement underneath, like, there was no, <laughs> you know, now they have the nice, like, wood chips that the kids can just, you know, fall into. Right, like or, like, the springboard, almost, yeah. like, the old tires made into a nice, cushy nice, comfy, landing. Nice, they could bounce right back up. Right. Yeah, we used to climb on the side of this rocket ship to the top. And then you had to get down, which was like getting up wasn't the worst part. It was like you're up there and you're like, yeah, your little sweaty ass legs attached to the scalding hot metal. Yeah, and it's all. I remember touching. Sometimes you like touch the slide and you're like, nope, not today. Yeah, totally. But the design was better, yeah. Like the rocket ship. Come on, you know, last rocket ship, and it had all like inside. It was not just the slide, but there was like different, you know, things you could climb and play with, and you know, it was really cool. Fuck. But I'm sure somebody got hurt real bad. Yeah, yeah. And that's why, like, one day it was just gone, and we're like, "What happened to the rocket ship?" And they're like, "That's in an undisclosed out of court settlement." (laughs) Where's Canyon City, California, or whatever the hell? (laughs) Canyon country. from outside of LA. So okay, LA. okay. It's LA County technically, but we're a little north of like actual LA, so. That's crazy what's yeah. growing up in LA like. Terrible? Yeah, yeah. Where you, you grew up in Seattle? Yeah, downtown. What's Seattle. growing up in Seattle like? Fucking amazing, like really <laughs> yeah? ideal. Yeah. In those times, like tech didn't, hadn't hit it super hard, but everyone was like seemingly rich. I wasn't rich and a lot of people weren't rich, but it like, you still felt some level of rich, you know, like I could go to the dentist at at (laughs) any time or whatever, but there's like 370 parks in Seattle that are like very well maintained and all over the place. And like, it's just a city that loves the outdoors and cleaning stuff and recycling and yeah, you're right by the water, right by the water, you know, like big connection to land. Cause the water and the mountains are like hugging you right there. So you're an outdoors person. Yeah, that for sounds sure. Like a nightmare to me. Oh really? Yeah. 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 But growing up in it, it's like, that's the thing about the parks is like, they're so low key outdoors and they're everywhere where it's like, I love a glamping experience. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I fuck with the outdoors for sure. Like I'll go on a nice yeah. long walk, but it's also just right there. And it's more the mind of the people where it's just like people are trying to fucking make sure you can drink good water and shit, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I only went to Seattle for like one day. We were in Vancouver and we drove down for a day and did the Space Needle. And yeah, I needed some place that was all, everything was like locally 
raised and locally. Of course, you know, dude. Yeah. Fucking like, crazy. I think it was called 360, I want to say. Oh, yeah, yeah. Place, I, I tried like four different. It had I wasn't just driving, opened but... as I was moving. Okay. It was good. I tried like four different beers that they had because they were all local beers. My friend drove. So yeah, it was, people it was love fine. crazy beers out there. Yeah, y'all have some crazy beers out there. My So many. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it's, there's so many and they're all like much. high alcohol content. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need it's this in my beer. too much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I like the good, good old Miller High Life lifestyle down here. You yeah. know, it's just like, we don't need all that. But people love it. Um, what did I want to say? Oh, my fucking prom was at the Space Needle. Oh, for like... A, my prom was at the Space Needle. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> you went to your prom? Oh, fuck yeah. It was horrible. <laughs> horrible experience. It would have been good, um, but the DJ's mom had passed away like that day, oh. and he still did the gig, what? which was awful. Yeah. Uh, so he was like really stressed out and sad the whole time. I was like, at that point, just play a mixtape and call Exactly. It. I think he did eventually leave, and, and like someone was just like, I guess we'll just play this mix, but then... That, it just sucks, because, like, the only, in my opinion, the only good part of the prom would have been, like, you know, booty dancing with yeah. my homies on the fucking dance floor, and and we couldn't do that, so. That's crazy. They shut it down for you guys, or, like, is it after yeah, hours? Yeah, there's, like, yeah, it was after hours, and there was, like, a restaurant, there's a restaurant in the revolving part, so we, like, all ate together, and then cleared the table. We that didn't clear awesome. the tables, and then we danced, yeah. The ours was at our gym. Yeah, 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 totally. That's Not well. Awesome. It's like the fanciest. I went to a very fucking crazy fancy high school. All yeah. girls. It yeah. was crazy, dude. Like we have this crazy prom ritual where you have to take your date to the physical school, and you're in your whole little fucking outfit and all that, and you get dropped off at the school, and then you take your date and you bring them up these staircases. And you introduce them to every single staff, teacher, and faculty member. Why? It's how it's happened for a long time, I think is the answer to that. <laughs> and it's in a line, it's so awkward, but amazing also. And it's like really archaic, but in a way that I really liked. I really liked the ritual of it. And then you walk down the stairs, get your picture taken, and then get into your car and go to the Space Needle to go to prom. And, like, the neighborhood comes out to, like, watch this event. Because oh, there's, like, 125 girls in dresses with, like, guys in tuxes. And they, like, watch this spectacle. I think it is some kind of, like, community check-in uh, accountability thing that I do like. You know, like, the teachers and staff care enough to fucking do that. And they all come out. Me and my best friend in, in 7th and 8th grade would go, and I think 6th grade, and 5th grade, and any <laughs> year we could, would go and watch the girls, like, in dresses. So it was, like, a big deal. I loved it, yeah. To me, it was. Not many. I don't think many other kids did that besides us. Would you wear to prom? Horrible dress. It was like, I... God, I'm just like in pain thinking about it. It was like robin's egg blue and satiny and I got it in New York when I was visiting my friend and it was really expensive. Like it was did not need to be as a, like I think yeah. it was like $300, which wow. is psychotic to me. <laughs> and I like worked for that and like borrowed, I think I borrowed $100 from my grandfather and like worked and paid him back and like for one dress for one dress it was just i was so amanda i was so saturated in internalized homophobia and like fear and not not knowing myself and so you put extra into 
Oh, yeah, you know, paying for my hair to get done, asking a guy to prom, like, I don't think we rented a car. I think one of my friends just, like, had a nice car, but I would have, like, paid for a limo or whatever the fuck, you know, like, just faking it so hard. That's so, because we're so different. I didn't go to my prom, and my mom was very upset by that, but I I just, for me, I was like... I'm just going to stay away from all of this. Like, I can't do that. I try, I've tried sometimes to do that. And then I was like, this doesn't work for me. But I talked to different, you know, different folks. And they're just like, yeah, no, I thought if I just kept making this happen, it would just happen. You know, that like you fake it till you make it kind of thing. <sighs> You're a strong person. <laughs> I think I also like, you know, my hormones were raging at that time. I think I also just wanted to like get fucked or fuck <laughs> or like make out with someone. Like, yeah. and I was so entrenched I wasn't, I didn't even, I wasn't even, couldn't even say I was entrenched in internalized homophobia at the time because that's how ignorant to it I was, you know? I had no, I was just like, I'm not gay because it's like, there's no modeling for that. I was raised Catholic, you know? So it's just like, I'm not gay because like, I don't know what that is, you know? Were you religious growing up? I was spiritual, but I couldn't be religious because from a young age, I was like, oh, you guys hate a lot of people and that seems counterintuitive to your teachings, so I don't believe you anymore. So I wasn't religious, but I um, was very spiritual and was very sad and confused about why I couldn't be, I wanted to be religious, but... I was smart and aware and knew. I was like, you guys don't like gay people. You guys don't seem to care about uh, children. Like, you're dishonest. You sexually abuse people and lie about it. Like, you don't seem to care about black or brown people. Women. Women, for sure, yeah. When I was really young, I wanted to be a priest and was like, sign me up. Let's fucking do this. I want to be a priest. And my teacher was like, you can't be a priest. And I was like, this is all bullshit. Yeah, it's like, why not? Oh, yeah. Because I have a vagina. Like, that's the whole thing. You can be a nun and you can marry Jesus. And nuns, I, like, so did not want that gig. I wanted to give the speech every week, you know, yeah. and, like, have a nice suit and have my collar and be out with the people, you know. Like, nuns were just, are, were, I mean, I love all my nuns out there in that world, but, out there in the world, but um, they just didn't, they, I, I didn't see nuns being out and proud in the way that I wanted to be loud and, and getting as much religious attention as possible. <laughs> religious attention. <laughs> when did you, like, start internally, you know, starting to become more aware of? My gayness? Yeah. Like, was it something you always felt, like, I always felt I was different, but I couldn't put my finger on, like, why I was yeah. felt that way? Right. I always felt I was different, but but I definitely, I never thought that it was because I was gay. So yeah, I, get, I do relate to that. And I have a bunch of things that I call, like, my sensations of being queer before queer. Like seeing Ellen Page and me being like getting fucking hard from that, you know, and being like, oh, okay, but I, but my brain and my, and my hard <laughs> genitals and my heart were not in connection, you know what I yeah. mean? Um, and, and just like the level of friendship and intimacy that I had with my female friends and, and a bunch of, I mean, and then like, you know, my childhood pictures where I'm just like, that's a young gay person, you know, when <laughs> I, I look at it, you know, like, but I was just so, I was so blocked from my sexuality because I grew up in the Catholic church and my, and my sex ed was, you can't have sex till you're married. That was my, se I did get sex ed. I was told like, you can't do that till you get married. 
Do they ever talk to people about, like, when you get married, like, here's what you do? I know, right? I think you have to wait till you're in, till you're in that, and then you do, I mean, Catholic-wise, you do, like, have to meet with the priest for a while before you get married, and I pray that they talk about sexuality and sex within there, but it's probably fucked up and not good. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I always wonder that, because I'm like, okay. That's why I would be a fucking good (laughs) priest, dude, because I would talk about some good sex stuff, you know? Yeah, you let them know, because I feel like they're just like, okay, don't have sex until you're married, don't have sex until you're married, and then you're just married, and there's no, like... God, doesn't that sound awful? Yeah. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. Were your parents religious? Like, was your family? No. And that's, that's the thing. Like my, I mean, they, they were, but they put us in the school for the community and the good education. And my mom more so had some like ancestral ties to Catholicism where her grandmother was Catholic, but they were both raised like, I actually don't even know. I've definitely asked them. They were raised like Protestant or no, mm-hmm. not that. No, not Protestant. <laughs> they were raised like some like denomination of Christianity that was just like kind of blanket something. But they, they weren't raised in like religious families. And then my mom just put my older sister in Catholic school because there was actually a, a teacher strike in the public schools. And my mom wanted to put her in school she met this woman that had been raised Catholic, who's actually still a dear family friend of ours. And she was like, I want my daughter to be like you. So she like mm-hmm. put her in school. Yeah. That's really and did cool, it for actually. the community. Yeah. Yeah. Really beautiful. The community was awesome. Like that part was so good. And that's why it was extra hard. Cause I was like, this is so confusing. You're such good people. Like I'm learning all these amazing core values. And then you slide in like, and fuck gay people and women. I'm like, what? Yeah, you're like, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What? <laughs> I was on board with like helping the poor. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Totally. And Just like singing and hugging. <laughs> yeah, totally. But I, I feel very spiritual and I have now let go a lot of, of the trauma being raised in the Catholic church and I'm actively gay. I would like the Catholic, <laughs> Catholic church to know yeah, they're, they're all listening <laughs> all the priests and nuns are gathered around the organ oh my gosh oh my gosh when did you come out when i was like 22 uh, me and a bunch of friends were traveling from seattle to california unfortunately to go to burning man for not my first time and we had found this lake on the way down, Lake Mendocino. Do you know it? It's Northern California. We had found it on the way down and we had, we took a bunch of molly and mushrooms at this lake and <laughs> had a delightful time. Burning, exactly. Yeah. And had an amazing time. We had such a good time. We went down to San Francisco, picked up some friends and we're like, we're like, what should we do? And we're like, let's just go back to that lake. Cause it was so private and nice and beautiful and we could camp out and there were a bunch of us that wanted to hang out. So we drive back up to this lake. We all take a bunch of mushrooms and have a great night. There's like things I remember like a fig tree. No, no, like a pear tree was there that had like tinsel. Was it there? In... <laughs> that had like tinsel in it. Yeah, now that I say tinsel, I'm like, what? Like, was it there? <laughs> 
And we were just like, we were swimming and all having such a fun time with each other. And there was like no one else on this like big, really, I mean, California has some great parks also that are like yeah. very well maintained that no one goes to. Yeah, and you can just be on, like, that's always really cool to have that moment where you look around and you're like, it's just us. And, totally. And yeah. Yeah. No one like perving or whatever, yeah. you know? Uh, and my best friend from high school was there on that trip. She's one of the people that we had gone to, to pick up in San Francisco and bring back. And then there was this moment by the water where we're sitting next to each other and looking into the water and talking. And she just turns to me and she's like, can I kiss you? And I was like, whoa, oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) And then we start kissing and I was just like, Oh, this is the thing all the movies are talking about. Exactly. I was like, oh, because at that point I was 22. So my friends started fucking around when they were like 13, like 11, 12, 13. So I had been supporting my friends with all their dumbass love quests for like 11 years at this point and being so confused because I didn't get it. I was like, why do you want to hang out with this motherfucker instead of like, going to see Josie and the Pussycats again or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's like, a pretty gay fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I just like didn't get it. And then we started making out and I was like, oh, I would never see my mother again if we could just continue doing this forever. <laughs> like, I see. Like, fuck my friends. Yeah. This is all I want to do. And uh, it was really fucking intense. Like, then we pretty much just didn't, we just made out for like a month. We like went to Burning Man and made out the whole time. And like Burning Man's intense, you know, there's dust and shit. So my lips are just like bleeding raw from just like making out <laughs> constantly. And, uh, and my, my best friend turned into my first girlfriend, which was a complicated, very hard situation because all our friends are really fucking confused and freaked out and, we were just kind of on one and like shot off into this whole other world. And our friends were just like, where did you go? Like, and we just became this crazy fucking codependent, like first girlfriend. Also, yeah, when you come out with somebody, I feel like there's a certain yeah, codependency maybe, or just like, for me, I felt like my identity kind of got tied into that of like I'm gay and I'm with somebody because I came out like after, after my first girlfriend I got together oh, yeah. same then... for me we we hid behind each other for sure and she isn't gay like we were I don't think <laughs> she I as far as I know she hasn't been with another woman besides me I really think it was just this kind of like moment in time for her for me I was really fucking gay which ultimately was the demise she was just like I'm not gay this just happened and I love you. I think maybe she's pansexual. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, like you guys had an intense connection. Or yeah. Like an attraction that was there. Right. Totally. But for me, it was this whole other thing. And there was still so much internalized homophobia in it where I was, you know, I had this narrative of like, we aren't gay. I'm not gay. Our love is just like so great that it's like bigger than anything that's ever been felt by <laughs> anyone ever before in life. Like, but we aren't gay. We're just like in love with each other. But you're also best friends. It was intense. It was so much, yeah. So you got back from that trip, did y'all just like, you said, Mom, Dad, here's my girlfriend. I don't know, definitely not. No, no, no. I think we had 
been broken up by the time I told yeah by, by the time you got back from Burning Man. by the time <laughs> by the time I told my mom and dad we had been broken up I told my sister in a horrible way awful way I mean I was I my poor little younger inner child self I was so turned all the way up where I went to my sister's birthday party and brought Megan my my best friend and and first girlfriend and brought Megan and we just like made out aggressively the whole time. <laughs> Your yeah, and my, and my sister was just like, I guess you guys are like doing this now. And she was very open and and accepting, but she was just like, why are you fucking ruining my party right now? <laughs> like it's all attention on me. <laughs> you know, because it's like she had known Megan for a long time because yeah. we had been friends and all of her friends knew me and stuff. And this is just like a bunch of new data for everyone. And everyone was just like, what the fuck, you know? But I was pew, just like so in my own world and felt very like righteous and justified because I had been closeted for so long. I was like, I'm fuck everyone. Like I've fucking listened to every fucking bloody DDD relationship process, you know, and I'm just like, I don't give a fuck. But in hindsight, very selfish and I would do things differently. Because <laughs> yeah, it's all new too. Like you get to have your first kiss and your first right and... right because i had i'd kissed like a one boy before that and it was a very lackluster experience so it was that was huge you know like that i had never and i had hidden that honestly from megan as my best friend even because i was embarrassed about i think i'd made up other guys that i'd made out with to like fit in or whatever mm, yeah. you know um, maybe, I guess I'd made out with more guys than that. I just, I block it. At the record <laughs> They're all show, just like I block one guy it. in your, <laughs> your mind. You know what I mean? But like, I was just, it was so new and, and then it was so complex because she was my best friend at the time. So she wanted to be supportive and go there with me, but she couldn't go there with me. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Because I was having a way, she had had boyfriends, she had had sex, like she'd been in love already, you know, like, and I, this was all super new for me. And I was, I was obsessed and demanding, you know, because it was my first love. You want to spend all your time with her. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Jesus Christ. We've all, you know, we've all been there. Yeah, it was rough. It was a rough time. She took me to Mexico for spring break. And the relationship, I think, in both of our hearts was already ended. And I think in her heart and mind was already ended by the time we got there. But I didn't know that, really. And so then we go to Mexico, and she's, like, very pulled away and, like, very, very not in it, you know? And we hung out at the beach a lot and hung out at this one bar and listened to fucking reggae music. We love reggae. I still represent reggae all the time. We met this one older woman traveler and we spent a lot of time with her. And there was this one intense night where at the end of the night, she just like took me by the shoulders and was like, Tori, you're a lesbian. Megan is not a lesbian and you're a lesbian. This lady did that? Uh Uh-huh. And I like burst into tears and sobbed so deeply and like fell into her arms because she, it was true. That was like God that, and that was a miracle. And that was an angel. I really needed 
you know, I wasn't in therapy or whatever at the time. So I needed an outside eye to be like, this is the reality of what is. Because I so was not seeing it. Well, you probably didn't want to see it either. Even if you Definitely like, not. saw it, you're like, nope. Definitely it's not. It's crazy for like a str- essentially a stranger that you'd known a limited time that picked up on it and just hit the nail on the head. For sure. I mean, you know, expats in Mexico, they got the the intuition. Yeah. They're working, <laughs> working something, you know. How long were you all together? Time really blocks it out. Time really blocks it out. I think if we got together around Burning Man, then maybe we broke up in spring. Time. Before the next Burning Man? Before the next Burning Man. <laughs> that was hard to go to the next Burning Man without her. But I you think went. I would. Yeah, oh, I went. I went and found out I had herpes. <laughs> I think it was that next story. My herpes story is amazing. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah, the next year. Was it the next year? No, I think actually it was the next year after the next year that I found out I had How herpes. Do I want to? to say my herpes story on that? I have to. It's a great story though, you know. Uh, I think I went to five burns. Burns. Maybe that, maybe six. Is that the cool way to say it? Oh my god! Wait, I think I'm getting my timeline all fucked up. I think I had had sex before Megan and I got together. Did I lose my virginity? No. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because I lost my virginity right after Burning Man, and I think, and it was after my first Burning Man. Burning Man one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Megan and I got together Burning Man two. So I think some some things my earlier story were, were false. God damn it. God <laughs> redoing the damn whole thing, starting all over again. Damn this microphone. <laughs> no, the next year at Burning Man, then we tried to go and like be friends or whatever, and I was so seethingly obsessed with fixing things and making things right and make her understand my perspective. I really just wanted our trust level to be back exactly the same but our trust had been completely fucked because we transitioned the relationship into being lovers and then we added all this other shit she like she you know she was like totally checked out and getting back with her she was like cheating on me to some degree like definitely emotionally texting with like other dudes and stuff when we were together and I just so wanted to fix everything and just have it all disappear and have us go back to like being best friends once the sexual intimacy was taken out. Yeah, I wish it was that simple. It's Jesus just Christ. Make that transition and never is. It's hard, you know, that's it, tough. And it's hard too because you Why just, is it tough? Because you, you, you've experienced this person in a different way. Like, you, right. you know, they've opened up to you and let you in, in in this different way. And it's hard to like, just, because you don't want to erase it either. Like, you don't want right. to like, just go back to where you were before that. You know, you can't. Because I just want relationships to be so expansive and never ending. I really think they are. Like, this concept of X is so false, you know, like, or it's so, it's, it's of a language that doesn't serve me to like, think of someone as an X. It's like, we have relationships where you're together physically for some amount of time and then you need to not be together physically. But that doesn't, like every person that I've dated currently has an impact on my life or like the things I've learned from those relationships and from them as people is, is with me all the time. So I, I think I get attached to being like, we can just go back or not go back, but we can now create the whole new, we can create a friendship out of going from best friends to lovers. And now we're a different type of friend, but I guess it's a lot of work and no one has time for all that for every single person. 
it takes, I think both people need to be on the same page with that. And I think right. a lot of times, whether it's a, a friendship that's shifting or a relationship that's shifting out of that, like it's, you know, it is a lot of work and both people also need to want the same thing. And I think that's not always the case. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Megan and I did not talk for like three years and then, uh, and then we began talking again and now we have a, a nice loving relationship of support yeah sometimes it's just time sometimes, yeah like, just time it's needs always to pass. just time you need to be able to see her out with somebody else she needs to be able to see you out with somebody you know like there's right. things that like i feel like need to happen and just the space for you to process right everything that you had to process right lesbians love to process not I, i'm identifying myself and i identify as, <laughs> as, as a lesbian amongst other things but i'm like there's still probably a piece of you that likes to process <laughs> that's the thing too and i've i've mentioned this on other podcasts is because for me and i relate to you being like i i was the one that my friends came to for relationship help for talking about oh dudes they like for all i had nothing better to do i yeah. wasn't fucking no I, I know and i love to hear it because i wanted, <laughs> yeah like i wanted those feelings and i wanted yes. to understand them but we also like were listeners what did he mean when he sent this text what yeah. did this mean oh he was hanging out with this girl like does he like her did you know like you're going through all these things it's all processing it's all like understanding uh, figuring out human connections right and i was doing it from an outside perspective because i wasn't part of that right right so it teaches you to be a facilitator you know how to make things easier for people and see things in, in an easier therapist, way. therapist <laughs> director <laughs> artist but yeah it's good for storytelling it's good yeah. for stand up like it's good yeah. for all that stuff because it's just ob- observing humans right 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 do you want to uh, tell the herpes story <laughs> Okay, let's get the herpes story on the mic. So I went to Burning Man one year, the next year after after the final Megan drama with a bunch of bunch of queer folks. I I got very queer in that year, uh, in my relationships and and my my sex life and my political practice, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I came out, I guess, over the course of that year, more and more. I went to Burning Man, and I had a great time that year. I had this little queer pack to roam around with. I danced like a motherfucker. I found I was gay at Burning Man for the first time, really outly, so I could find things like this camp called Camp Beaverton, which is the lesbian camp that literally leads a fisting workshop. The line was so long for the fisting <laughs> workshop that I couldn't get in, but I kind of, I asked if I could like peek in at one point and they let me and just Amanda, the sounds and the smells coming from the structure that was have holding the fisting workshop wow. was truly <laughs> incredible. And my queer friends that I, I was with were working, we all work at a queer summer camp called Camp Ten Trees. Donate money if you can uh, to Camp Ten Trees for high school age uh, queer kids. And so we had just come from that experience. So then there were all these extra people outside of Camp Beaverton waiting to get into the, the 15 workshop. And we we played like a icebreaker with all of them <laughs> and like a camp game and like made this little, made the waiting area, the party. It was very Night at the Roxbury. And uh, so from that we had, then we grew our little pack. So we had this little like pack of lesbians and then we we're like, fuck this. We're never going to get into the party. Let's just go out and dance. We have a great time. We hit the playa. We're fucking dancing, looking for drugs, eating drugs, having a great time, but da 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 dancing you know and I uh we like go out for the night and it's amazing 
such a great night and over and I had and um over the course of the week I was having painful sensations when I was urinating and I thought in my mind this is just from me literally wearing the same tights with no underwear with short shorts on top of it and never changing it once. This is just like playa crotch, you know, like <laughs> that's what's happening. And This is before WebMD. Like, I've already <laughs> analyzed this for myself, playa crotch. And I'm just like, drink it, you know, fucking just hit the dance floor. Like, so I get through the experience and it's, and it's all good. And then I drive with my two friends, Flowers and Talon up the coast. And we stop at this little, at this little lake. And they're a couple at the time. And they begin to start having sexy times. And I want to have sexy times with them. So we all start having sexy times. But it's like low key also. They're like my dear, dear old friends, Mm -hmm. you know. Just Burning Man vibes, you know. Carrying it all the way up the coast. And then we pass out from that night. And I wake up the next day. And I was like, wait, guys. I, I forgot that I've been having this like painful burning sensation when I pee and flowers is just like pants down let's look at it and I like drop my drawers on the side of this like lake and flowers is like all up in my crotch and is like man I don't know like let's call my mom flowers calls calls her mom, calls their mom <laughs> because their mom is a naturopath okay I thought you and- just like I need to talk to mom right now <laughs> Let the record show I hit my head. Um, And so Flowers Flowers calls their doctor mom and is like, hey, mom, remember Riot? She's like, yeah. And she's like, great. I'm in Riot's vagina right now. And there's something going on. And I'm going to describe it to you. And I want you to diagnose it. And Flowers' mom is like, I literally can't. That's not how being a doctor works. (laughs) I can't do that. But I'll do my best. So we're like, great. So they're both in my vagina, looking at my vagina describing what's going on and then I get the news where Flowers' mom is like I can't be for sure because I'm not in the room with Riot but it sounds like Riot is having a herpes outbreak and I'm like fuck no but I'm still clinging to the idea because the stigma for herpes is so so great that like you know do you have herpes no can I ask you that? you can yeah you can ask me so uh so the stigma with herpes is so great where you get it and you're just like I'm never gonna have sex again like you know it's so there's That's so they much told you in Catholic school exactly right? and, and movies <laughs> and like jokes on the playground yeah. and shit are all like herpes is gross and you'll know you're like tainted and unwanted or whatever you know so I'm like okay probably you know this this isn't a real diagnosis I'm not sure as soon as I get to Seattle I go home and get tested and of course I have herpes and that's a good doctor though what do you mean your friend's mom I know right like she that's pretty impressive to be over the phone just being described something from somebody who's not trained and right she, she got it right I'm right like, I think she'd been training uh, her child to be a, a to, for this moment their entire <laughs> life. You know, I think that's the yeah. naturopath's way right there. Yeah, it was a way to get her into the family business. Exactly. She's like, look how good you are at this. Thanks. Exactly. And yeah, then I found out I have HSV-1, which is the mouth, usually the mouth occurring herpes, but on my genitals, which is like a classic lesbian way to get herpes on oh. your genitals by having the mouth one on your puss. That makes sense. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 
Yeah. And I can understand how that got there. <laughs> no, I think I think herpes too. Like my friend, um, he was doing like I don't know what he studied, but some science thing. And he was like, you can get eye herpes. Like there's like, yeah, so yeah. Many different co- like, people, like, people love to bring up the eye herpes whenever. <laughs> it's like no, no, it's fine. You can get elbow herpes. You can get tongue herpes. Like you can get tooth herpes. It's fine. Yeah, it's like every part of your body. It's, <laughs> it's I just it just for me that was like the point of like it's misunderstood. Like a lot of things are misunderstood. Yeah, about it. you know I think. Oh. Another wild thing, I think this is true. I feel like I stonedly looked this up late at night at some point over the last 10 years, where where usually the first place that you have an outbreak is where you're going to get herpes all the time. So, like, I have the virus in my body, but I'm not going to, like, get it on my mouth. It's always going to be on my genitals, or I'm not going to get it on my eye or whatever. Yeah. And it's usually, like, in a similar spot to where it always shows up. And with diet regulation, you can really control your herpes outbreaks. Yeah, there's a lot of medication. There's a stand-up, Ariel Elias, who's in New York now. She used to live here, and she does a whole, like, 20-minute bit about herpes, and it's hilarious. That's what's up, dude. Yeah, Yeah, and it's like, I love that she just owns it and puts it out there. Here I am on the mic. Yeah, and I'm just like, it's fucking great. I've had, like, I had that first outbreak, which was horribly painful. The first one is often, like, very, very painful. And then I didn't have another outbreak for, like, four and a half years. Oh, wow. I had no outbreaks. And then that one wasn't as bad as the first one. And then I think I had another one, like, two years later, which I also is, like, not something. Like, when I was a kid in Catholic school, I was just like, you will just have, like, open sores on your vagina the Forever. whole time. <laughs> yeah. Until eternity while you push yeah. that rock up And you have and... to mate with someone else who has, like, open sores all over his penis, and that's what your sex life Oh, God. <laughs> they really do scare you. You know? You know, the Catholic school, I feel like they just go in for the, the scare tactic. Oh, yeah. And the guilt the and guilt. the fear. And the, uh, and it's it's also keeping things really ambiguous and secretive. That's how they get you, too, where they just, like, say, they just, like, they're like, you'll get herpes and then say nothing else about yeah. it. Which is, like, like, is true. I did get herpes. <laughs> you know what I but mean? But you're like, what's herpes? And they're like, don't have sex. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. What? what are we talking about here? <laughs> exactly. Well, what... What got you to New Orleans? I fell in love with somebody who uh, who worked at that same camp, Camp Ten Trees. Her name is Chaos. I'm sure you'll like to hear that. Ryan Everyone and does. Chaos. We met each other with those names, and it was like very fueling. Uh, as two lesbians were just like, we're made for each other. Like we are puzzle pieces, you know, yeah. with those names. And uh, she is from Washington, but she was living in New Orleans and had been living there for three years at the time. And I was looking to get away from Seattle. And I was like, I'll just follow you down here because we have nice sex and are in love with each other. (laughs) And we're two puzzle pieces. Yeah, exactly. How old were you? I was um, maybe 25, 26. It was seven years ago. Been here ever since? Been here ever since. I did. Yeah, I'll move. I'm not doing math. So I, did. I was like, we'll just assume that that math is correct and we're going to move it forward. <laughs> yeah, I've been here ever since. I, you know, I did, I did the little transplant thing for the first, uh, for the first couple years where I would leave for like month at a time here and there. 
Uh, and I still do that sometimes, but I'm but I'm grounded here. But I've I've always I feel like I've been here ever since. But I had some transplanting things too. What got you into performing? Got into performing because Judy Garland and I have the same birthday, so I was just oh, like born to into this personality. A star is born. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and uh, I come from a dysfunctional family, so I and I'm the youngest, so I took on the role of like entertainer and liked it and <laughs> and stuck stuck with it and I just I just love art my dad's a dancer also and and artistic and um and I'm gay so I just like art and <laughs> and uh yeah like I became a performer because I I want to make the world a better place and 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 art is a great place to do that with to really think about why are we doing what we're doing when we do it you know, like artists are able to have commentary and work around that. Yeah, and reach out to people and also make people aware of things where you're like, I didn't think about that. Right, and get people involved and like confident in themselves and, and the people around them to create beauty and because the revolution, I forget who said, I wish I knew. We're the, so good at remembering that. Yeah, the revolution <laughs> has to be beautiful if it's going to work. Someone said that. Or a version of that, and that that phrase means a lot to me. I feel like I've heard that too, and I can't. You know what I mean? <laughs> Someone dope. I, we will post edit credit whoever that is. Yes, I'll, I'll Google it later. I just did some work that planted this kind of seed of development with another queer person, where we're working on a show about family rejection and and found family in the queer community. And we were working with our director and she was just like, this is really sad. You guys like can't do just this, you know? Why? And then because it was, we hadn't, the we found there does need to be hope. People, okay. I don't want to make art yeah. where it's just like me replaying my family trauma in front of people yeah. without being like, and I'm okay now, you know? And that's part of, like, why do we do what we do right now? You know, like, there have been times where the world needed to just see how bad a situation is. But I think right now we need to see how bad situations are and see some ideas for hope and and inspiration for the future. That When we told her the story, we hadn't included the, and we're happy because we have queer found family part. We like just told her the sad story and she's like, oh no. And her, she's brilliant. So she was like, music. We just, you guys have to add music. We just have a happy song at the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like the idea that people are acknowledging that the word family and also I actually was going to use this in one of the intros but I was like I talk about Vanessa Carlson too much but uh, she has a lyric that's like uh, sometimes family are the ones you choose and oh yeah I was like eh, you know does she my whole arguments about her being before her time we can get into that a whole other whole other day but she was <laughs> in a way like that's what you know she was saying yeah like, no that's amazing yeah. that's an amazing lyric to say I'm like sure that was implanted ago. in in my brain in some way as, as validating can you sing me any Vanessa Carlton song? Because I get her mixed up with other people. With Michelle Branch. Everyone gets her mixed yeah. up with Michelle Branch. Um, she did yeah, a thousand miles. She's making her way yeah. downtown. Yeah. Walking past. But I don't know. And I miss you. And I did too. Right? Yeah, that's her. Now I wander into the sky. There was some girl at my high school 
We had an amazing music program. She was a couple years below me. I wish I could remember who it was. And she would come early to school every single day and sit at the piano and play that song. And you could, the way our school was set up, you it would float throughout the entire first floor. And I loved it. Yeah, I was going to say that's the best. I loved it. That's the best wake up call you can get. You're like, I'm ready for, I don't need coffee. I'm ready for school. That's amazing. <laughs> Uh, that's a whole other thing. I drank so much coffee before school as a young person. And now that I have mind body awareness, I'm just like, that's fucked up that I would drink coffee and then attempt to function as a high schooler. Well, I also think like I should have been crazy. Yeah, I shouldn't have been drinking coffee in high school, but I thought it was so adult and cool. I used to work in a shopping complex. I worked at a store called Once Upon a Child. I sold like new and used baby equipment and things. Oh, yeah. And I'm not interested in kids. So I was good at my job because I was very focused. Um, And anytime someone was like, can you hold my baby? I was like, store policy, can't touch your kid. Oh. Wow, yeah, I would have loved to hold a I know, baby. Everyone would except me. Wow. But uh, there was a Starbucks like two stores down. Oh and yeah. I used to go there every shift, and I would get um, a coffee frappuccino, add a shot of vanilla, and I would get like a piece of coffee cake, like a like like this was oh, like four bad. times a week. I'm doing this. And I was just like, no wonder I'm five two. Like Jesus, stand a shot. Like I shouldn't be. But nobody like nobody was like no regulation yeah no regulation totally fine i would drink so much coffee yeah oh my god a caramel frap get me all fucky uppy dude yeah there's like a film on your mouth after you eat it get an extra shot get an extra shot of espresso right that's what (laughs) that's what the kids need Oh, right, well, let's uh, let's go get some espresso and coffee. <laughs> it's it's been fun. This has been fun. It has been Not a too delight. Painful, right? No, so good. Yeah, All we right. went some scary places. And... Right. We'll see you at the next Burning Man. Still <laughs> a thing. No. Oh, <laughs> but thank God. you, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. All truly. Hey, what's up, everybody? How you doing? So uh, the summer of my 18th year, I spent the entire summer uh, in a lifeguard chair, kind of making my body go like this, and just watching uh, pools of sweat kind of congeal on my body in between my my titties and my little belly stuff going on. I would do that and I would also just prank people constantly. And that's how I spent the summer of my 18th year. I was working at a uh, a Catholic summer camp where every uh, good lesbian goes to learn how to wear chacos. And uh, there they are. All tight. I will say these chacos, I lost my other chacos at Burning Man, a sentence that makes me want to just fucking kill myself every time I say it. Uh, And these are now uh, the cheaper version of chacos, which they make uh, with less quality outside of America. Little Chaco plug there. Um, okay, so I spent I spent the summer there. I worked at these summer camps that I had been attending since I was six years old, and the age limit for attending these camps was eight years old. And my parents would lie about my age so they could get me out of the house at the same time as my sister starting when I was six. Uh, that first year when I was six, I spent the whole time at summer camp just crying 
crying excessively and trying to find my older sister who was trying to have a fun time like making lanyards and shit. Uh, and my sister's a Capricorn and I'm a Gemini, so I would come, I would come with all of my intense feelings and emotions and trying to find my sister and she's just like, you need to get it together. <laughs> I'm making new friends and you need to fucking get it together and go back to your cabin. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I love you so much. <laughs> And then I like write a letter to my mom, which is something I later learned was like a tool that counselors would be taught to help like the homesick kids. It kind of like channel channels their feelings of missing uh, their mom into a postcard, a fun, a fun tear-soaked postcard to send back home uh, to your family. So flash forward uh, many years, and I'm there working as the head lifeguard at this summer camp. And there was a culture at this summer camp of pranks. It was Catholicism, right? So uh, we were all about doing one thing and then saying another, you know? And, uh, and flim flamming with people and like creating these great like white sky gods that are completely false and made up with long beards and, uh, and worshiping them and shaming ourselves and guilting ourselves uh, through a series of tricks. And, uh, and I loved that piece of the camp culture. It was so amazing. And I was good at it. I was really, really good at pranking people. There was one week uh, of camp, which this in and of itself is just fucking weird. There was one week of the camp that was called Crazy Crazy Week. Uh, and I just took that concept and that title and I just really, really ran with it. Uh, that, that year during Crazy Crazy Week, I was in charge of something called Choice Activity, which is just all the counselors get an opportunity to pick an activity. And some people pick arts and crafts and then they lead all the kids in that or boating or whatever activity they had. And uh, I picked as an activity uh, antiquing. <laughs> And uh, antiquing was something that I had learned about recently, and uh, I'm now realizing from that pop of laughter that, that none of you know what antiquing is. Antiquing is when you take a liquid substance and run up to someone, throw it on them, and then the guy behind you has a sack of flour, and he throws the sack of flour on the person who has the water on them. So they kind of look old and antique <laughs> Now I wish I could go back in a time machine and at that camp just like teach 12-year-olds about like vases and stuff. Because I'm also into that. Uh, okay, so, so for my choice activity, I had about 30 kids under my control and I snuck into the kitchen and we got an old can of peaches, like the camp size can of peaches. Any camp people know what I'm talking about? We got the old peas. Uh, and we got, uh, I think we got like some uh, like day-old banana bread muffin. There was a lot of that. Threw that in some gallon bag sacks. And, uh, and tons of flour. And I just went out with all the kids. And I, I took everyone and we would kind of creep along the campsite until we found a counselor because I'm consensual and there's age of consent and stuff. So I chose to do it only to counselors, right? That would just be fucking cruel and weird if I antiqued a small child with a bunch of other small children. 
But it's just fun Catholic fun uh, if you kind of like abuse an older person, you know what I mean? So I would go around, I would go around the camp and we'd lurk through the woods and I was so excited to antique my one friend Mahoney. Now Brian Mahoney was a, was like a big wrestling type of guy and he loved fucking with me and I love fucking with him. Uh, one time we were doing this game where you like go like this. And when you go like this, the other person's out if their hands are like this. And this is a block. This is reload. It's a really fucking fun game. I'll play it with anyone at the break. Uh, and, and we played that game all the time. And one time, this bitch played that game with me. He's like, hey, Wyatt, want to play that game? I'm like, fuck yeah, dude. We start playing, and he had motherfucking rubber bands on his hands. And that bitch shot me right in the eye when he shot me, which I can understand years later is just a hilarious thing to do, but it fucking hurt at the time. So I was really headed out for Mahoney, right? Uh, and I really wanted to prank this motherfucker. So I, that's probably why I got 30 kids to antique. And so I go and we find them out by the challenge course and where I have all the kids, shh, everyone get down, everyone get down. Have everyone hide in the bushes and I see them coming from like half a mile away and we're just sitting, we're just sitting there waiting. And uh, Mahoney comes down the path and I just scream, go! And four kids just like throw peas in his face. And then one kid takes some liquid peach juice and pours it all over him. And then I, with all my power, come in with a sack of flour. And I throw the sack of flour in his face, and that motherfucker gets antiqued. <laughs> Thank you. So the next session, because you would work, uh, you would work seven, six weeks of seven-day sessions. So the next session is coming up, and, uh, and I'm the lifeguard at the camp. And uh, I'm sitting in the lifeguard chair, and I'm doing my thing. And, and uh, part of the lifeguarding was uh, you had to do drills every once in a while. You had to, I was the head lifeguard and I had to orchestrate like a fake drill that made it seem like someone was drowning so the other lifeguards who worked under me could practice their skills. And today was the day that we were going to do that. So Mahoney's up there and he's just fucking with me, talking with me on the dock and the kids are swimming. It's really great. Now keep in mind, this is a Catholic summer camp in Seattle, which is like mostly white people, uh, and uh, and all of these kids in Seattle, they just like they're born knowing how to boat, you know. They just like people in Seattle are just like born with chacos on in a kayak, fucking swimming upstream, no problem. So these lifeguard checks were always a joke, you know what I mean? I'm just like, what am I doing this for, right? Uh, and so. Mahoney's there talking to me, and it's time. I'm in charge. I'm, I'm standing there. I'm sitting up in the lifeguard chair watching the sweat pool on my titties because I don't even need to watch the kids out there. They're fine. They know how to swim better than I do. You know what I mean? And uh, so I'm sitting there, and Mahoney is talking to me. We're joking around. I love this guy. And, uh, and then it's time to blow the whistle. So I do three uh, uh, blows of the whistle, which signifies to the other lifeguards that it's time for a drill. And someone's out there. This guy, Andy Perry, is out there. Oh, fucking Andy Perry. He's out there. He's out there fake drowning. And uh, I blow the whistles. And it's my turn to be the one who does the rescue. I'm like the first responder. And my other two lifeguards 
are there assisting me. So I do everything by protocol. I go tweet, 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 and then all the kids are looking up and everyone's looking, and I grab my lifeguard uh, thing. I grab my, <laughs> I grab my, <laughs> I grab my lifeguard tube and I stand up. And I jump and dive into the water off the lifeguard chair to go and rescue Andy Perry. And as I'm jumping off the lifeguard chair, everything starts going in slow motion. And I jump off the lifeguard chair, and then I'm halfway down the lifeguard chair, and I'm just dangling in midair at this point. <laughs> slow motion, and I'm like, and then I realized that Mahoney or someone has wrapped the, uh, the string of the lifeguard tube around the chair a bunch of times when I wasn't looking. And so I'm just dangling there midair. Everyone is looking at me. The entire camp is at the waterfront of it. It's like open swim right now. And I'm just dangling, dangling, dangling until eventually my momentum and the weight of my body just pulls in the entire lifeguard chair. And then I am in the water with the lifeguard thing around me, the lifeguard chair, and I'm just like drowning, 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 going. And I'm like, oh, fuck. And I take, I take the lifeguard chair. This is all underwater. I take the lifeguard chair, and I push it up, and I catapult myself back. But the fucking lifeguard tube is still around me. So I just got slingshot back, slingshotted back to the lifeguard chair. And I'm like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And I take the thing off of my head and I do the same motion and then I pop up and go to the top of the water and I just like immediately burst into tears. Cause shock's a real thing, you know? I just immediately burst into tears and there's like four campers and eight staff members just being like, oh fuck, oh god. Andy motherfucking Perry's still drowning, fake drowning, face down when I look up cause I'm like, fuck, someone go tell him what's going on. And everyone's just, oh god, oh god, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not okay, this is terrifying, I almost died. And I'm pulling myself out of the water. The water's all murky. No one could say anything. The only people that jumped in were two super campers. For any camp people, you know the super campers, you know what I mean? And they had dove in to save me. And I pop up, and I get to the top, and, uh, and then after Free Beach was over, I had another cabin of kids, and I was like, guys, it's crazy, crazy week. Uh, I'm gonna need you to go into the water tie this piece of string to the lifeguard chair and then whip it out. Because that's the type of activities you get with Riot as a camp counselor. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you to our guest, Riot, for sharing her world with you. Special thanks to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Gollum for your help editing and producing the show. Thanks to all our friends and supporters. You can catch Greetings from Queer Mountain live in New Orleans, Austin, and New York City, and coming soon to San Francisco. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Thank y'all! Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.